0: Welcome back to Castle Rock AM. Reporting from the Attic of Needful Things, this is C.M. Alexander with the news. In entertainment news, Castle Rock welcomes a celebrity this afternoon, Gloria, a gila monster from Nevada, who is famous for being able to fire a rifle with her tail. Don't miss your shot at an autograph at the Ace Merrill Memorial Library and Garage later today. This is Castle Rock AM. You're listening to Castle Rock AM.
1: Welcome back to Castle Rock AM, your bi-weekly Richard Bachman Book Club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Kahn, alongside C.M. Alexander. Hey, guys. And Benjamin Graham. I forgot what I said.
0: I did, too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is so embarrassing, but it happens every week. (laughs) Every week of the show, for the past 20 years. 20 That we've been doing this show. And... (laughs) And we are back with The Regulators, a Patreon selection from Anthony and and today we are covering through Chapter 8 with Ben leading our discussion. Ben, take it away. Okay,
2: so we pick up in Chapter 5 approximately 24 minutes. <laughs> to, Jesus! Chapter 4 might have taken a full minute, so let's say twenty twenty-five <laughs> 25 minutes <laughs> since the opening of the book, and we immediately find out that Kali has picked the wrong day to stop drinking. <laughs>
0: That's a good way to put it. Were you guys super sad when he's like, and I also need to get a new job because he has these resolutions. Stop drinking. Mm -hmm. Stop going out on weekdays unshaved and get a job. He's like, it's not like I died.
2: Oh, (laughs) Oh. Yeah, as uh, he's thinking of this in the middle of a hail of bullets that has just uh, started pouring towards him because there is a large pink good and plenty (laughs) and a big futuristic hearse in the middle of the street firing something that looks like shotguns
1: yeah when we get the Mm. bullet later i lost my mind oh i did want to point out with Kali's reflecting on his day the small nod to i think what really happened to Kali, that he drops it in there because there's all these rumors about why he was Mm -hmm. taken off the force. He's reflecting about his uh, law career, all the things he'd done, and uh, because he's never been in a shootout before, and this is that Mm -hmm. first shootout. But he mentions that one year in internal affairs. And I was like, oh, that's why Kali got shit canned. Something happened in his year in IA. (laughs) That tells me everything I need to know. (laughs) I
2: I like in this section because it... Starts very quickly, and Kali, the second gunfire starts, just starts moving. Mm -hmm. And I love how it's written, because it says something along the lines of uh, his awareness of half our cast drops away, Mm -hmm. and he narrows down to just the people directly in front of him, who happens to be Peter, crying and screaming while holding Mary in his lap. No, Steve, Cynthia, and Johnny. Tom. Tom. Well,
0: Johnny was nearby and oh, then yes. he kind of moved
2: right. off. Uh, yeah. The two groups in my head <laughs> yeah. are easily mix upable. Right. <laughs> but I love how it's written because it narrows down in all the characters we lose track of mm-hmm. it, it's a great way to give us the reader that like tunnel vision mm. that he has.
0: Oh, Gary and Marielle.
2: That's right. Yeah. Yes.
0: Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> Sorry. I hate them. Yeah, so much because as chaos is raining down again for the second or third time in this neighborhood, they are like both of them are just knocking people over, like shoulder checking super hard. Cynthia goes down and twists her ankle mm. and she's like, you pieces of shit. It is so satisfying when she gets her arm blown off. <laughs> is, that, is that shitty to say? No,
1: it is pretty great. It's
2: <laughs> They are the most self-serving mm. and it's weird that Pretty much every time Gary shows up, the story devolves into just an outright comedy. Yes. It's a weird vibe shift. (laughs)
0: It's This whole book is a weird vibe shift. (laughs) I just want to put that out there. That's actually very true. get to the screenplay section. Holy
1: shit. Later. (laughs) That shit's great. It's the, the moment here that I love, though, is that as there are people are trying to pull Peter up mm-hmm. and he's fighting it that I think it's Collie grabs him and it says something to the effect of once Collie got involved, Peter couldn't resist anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> like that, That's it. And that Tom yells out that he'll get Mary and oh, he they feel so, him yeah. like stop fighting mm-hmm. a little bit knowing that's full well a lie. But yeah, Collie's like, dead. good note, Tom, <laughs> way wait, wait, wait to lie to a grieving man.
0: Can I ask you guys? <laughs> If you saw Gary and Marielle doing what they're doing and you were also running towards that house, would you go towards a different house? Because I I couldn't help but think when I saw their behavior, I'd be like, no, 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 no. And I would run to a different house because that's a huge red. You don't want to be in an apocalyptic Mm. situation of any kind with those people.
2: Oh yeah, Gary is the guy in the zombie movie that gets bit and like and lets covers the zombies it up. in yep. and yeah it, yeah mm-hmm. does
0: something stupid
2: yeah, yeah no he's, sure he's going to cause a havoc yeah s- havoc before this story is done. But first, on their way into the Carver house, Steve gets grazed by a bullet mm. on the leg. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and after Steve gets grazed, this whole section it was so difficult to take notes
0: it jumps around yes. a lot
2: oh i just didn't want to stop reading yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> also I, that. I didn't want to stop reading to write too. down mm-hmm. my thoughts mm-hmm. because it's so immediate and uh, you you don't you don't want to stop because the next sentence could be something absolutely insane which is why after steve gets grazed i don't know what exactly happens between <laughs> then and there but my next note is mary gets blasted in half <laughs> she,
0: so i think that's where our is two that Mariel, divide yeah, yeah oh, okay Mariel. that was my confusion yeah. oh my i wrote God. the wrong name <laughs> yeah gary runs he gets to the house first because he trampled everybody on his way there so did she he runs in and she's right behind him but not quick enough and a bullet of some kind nearly takes off her whole... I love how it's described. It's so disgusting. Her arm like flies up in the air like she Mm. didn't do it. And it's barely attached to her. And we like leave that to go to audrey
2: <laughs> it's you know what i imagined was the t1000 in he, uh, terminator 2 <laughs> when yeah. it was shot in half and it's like it's
0: sort of the, that movement yeah yeah, yeah the cool.
2: whole shoulder is hanging to the side of the body mm-hmm. gross <laughs> Uh, yeah, as they they run inside, we then get our first glimpse inside the Wyler house. This is where the book <gasps> changes. I have so
0: much to say about, like, Audrey. I, th- these are my favorite parts with Audrey, honestly. Like, the Audrey and Seth stuff. I'm, I'm
2: loving this stuff, yeah. Me too. Yes. I... Most of it, this is the really going into this book, this was the thing that I'm like, I know it's coming up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't remember how well the Seth stuff holds up. Oh, yeah. But the Audrey stuff it is so scary. Mm-hmm. It's fucking horrifying. Absolutely. Uh, it, it is uh, too bad that a lot of, uh, it, I didn't notice it on the first read through, but listening to the audiobook, there are certain things that are supposed to be read as scary, which are just things that autistic people do sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's not the best. First, let's get to the Audrey stuff. It starts with, she had a place to go. Audrey has a laughing place. Yes. <laughs> I wrote uh, her place to go, Dreamcatcher, Dr. Sleep, Booyah Moon. Yes. Misery. It is uh, side of a hill on a picnic she had with her quote unquote very good friend. Uh, there is no subtext, but I decided to read it in anyway. <gasps> nice. Yes, there I is have a, a lot yep, there to is, say
0: about that. There is in a, a, a minute.
2: definitive romantic angle. Can
0: here. we just talk about yes? Because we're so we're not quite in that scene yet. So, like, real quick, just here we come to understand that while Audrey had a place to go, her husband Herb did not have a place, and she thinks that that's why he didn't last, and she's still here, and she kind of reflects on Seth sort of like sucking him dry like a vampire. A lot of the things she says are more like Seth is doing it, but then later, we'll she kind of changes that and we come to find out there's more about that. But I just, in this part that we go th- we're go, we going to be talking about today, I love how much we learn about her husband because I like him so much. Mm-hmm. He just seems like a really amazing guy and it made me super duper sad. But she, so Ben, as you said, she's at Mohawk Mountain in upstate New York. And the way that she talks about this place and her friend Jan, they went there when they were like in their early twenties and had a beautiful picnic. I don't think Bachman wrote it this way intentionally, but I definitely read their relationship as more than friendship. Mm-hmm. Because the way she talks about this place and the lasting impression it made on her, and she even like notices the gold in Jan's hair and stuff. And she she talks about it the way you talk about like your favorite informative moment with like your first love.
1: If I remember right, the premise for like this is an actual memory that she's going back mm-hmm. to essentially yes, like, yeah. she's turned into this. And it was because her dad, her Jan's dad rented this cabin for like a weekend as a present for something. Mm-hmm. And it was so it was just the two of them this whole time. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I it's so funny because I did not pick up on the romantic thing. And then as soon as you pointed it out, I'm like, oh my God, yeah, it's all there. Yeah,
0: I, I'm shipping them so bad. Yeah.
1: Hard. <laughs> <laughs> all of the influences in this, you mentioned Dreamcatcher, mm-hmm. the the thing that was completely Dreamcatcher to me is the manifesting the phone. As soon as that happened, yeah. that's when I was like, mm-hmm. all right, this is how you do it, good.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, this
1: was a while before Dreamcatcher, yeah. yeah. The phone
2: is very scary. Yeah, I, And maybe, I don't know if we've actually, I don't know if I've ranted about this on the main feed, but I could not not see it as the Skinnamarink phone. That, I, I love that. <laughs> listeners, if you haven't seen Skinnamarink and you like movies where mostly nothing happens, you should watch Skinnamarink <laughs> and think of how scary a toy
1: phone is.
0: If you like movies that are nothing and then a nightmare,
1: mm-hmm. watch Skinnamarink. <laughs> I still think about that movie.
0: I do, too. The phone thing also reminded me of Black Phone, the Joe Hill mm-hmm. short that we've covered on Patreon. Just, I don't know, maybe that's like a cheap connection. But I, I just love kind of like seeing influences in people who aren't related <laughs> <laughs> to each other, according to these episodes. Oh,
2: oh sorry. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We we've said king like a dozen (laughs) times.
1: We tried. It's fine. Our false reality only held up this long.
0: We're in our laughing place.
2: (laughs) From my favorite Bachman book, (laughs) (laughs) Sad House.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh! I I'm sorry. I made us skip over a really cool part where we get some background on how the family may have encountered. I
1: thought that was fucking rad. It was
0: really, really neat because Audrey gets a letter from her brother that she's like piecing things together because we talked about this in the last episode, but he had sent her that postcard and he was all excited. And then when they talked on the phone, he's like, "Ah, no big deal. And he did this weird, like, what she called cocktail party laugh that she'd never heard from him before that seemed super fake. And then after they died, she got a letter from a geologist, Alan Symes of the Deep Earth Mining Company, which sounds like a nightmare company? <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a horror movie company, so right. that would have been a little less company. on the nose
1: than Diablo mining company. That's true, right. yeah. Uh, I, fr- I prefer to go with uh, Search for the Old Ones mining company. Yeah. They're... <laughs> Mission statement's very clear. Cthulhu
0: mining, <laughs> and he explains like, "Oh, I just took him to see the pit. We didn't go in because that would have, you know, violated whatever." And she's like, "Yeah, yeah," but he told me that they didn't even stop, so I know he was lying, and maybe this guy is lying. And then we jump into her laughing place, and <laughs> I have the word nipples in my notes about the the red phone.
1: Why? <laughs> I don't
2: remember. <laughs>
0: oh my gosh!
1: It took oh, me a I'm second, so but excited. now I remember. Go ahead, see him.
0: So the phone is. Audrey's signal, the mm-hmm. the red the phone the red phone on the picnic table when she's in her special place that Tack is distracted. So when the mm-hmm. phone disappears, like she has to go back and. Jan this whole time like finally is sort of like actively participating in this fantasy and tells her she needs to escape and when she comes back like we know that she has been topless she doesn't know that though and this is where I got really terrified because she's like oh my nipples hurt because tack has been making me squeeze my nipples again I just Mm. the way Bachman is willing to go there quote-unquote for horror like Mm. just talk about things that if I had to write Out this happening like even the mere thought of it i'd be like oh no that's Mm -hmm. too much that's really awful Mm -hmm. and gross it's the idea that you would lose yourself and then you'd come back and some force had been making you hurt yourself in a sexual way too is very so fucking horrible
2: it's it's this makes sense why i didn't know what you were talking (laughs) about because my entire notes for this section is Everything is bad.
0: Well, I, I think I took the most notes on this section, so I don't know what that says about me. Well, <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> anyway, the the apartment is covered in drawings that Seth has done, which
0: which is cool. Except they are nailed to the walls with <laughs> like spikes that he found in the garage. It's very scary.
2: <laughs> it's cool foreshadowing though that there are these childlike mm-hmm. scribbles all
1: over the place mm-hmm. the one scribble that we do get to see in this section we're reading is yeah. really cool.
0: there's another piece of foreshadowing here that just spooks me out we get a few of them when after she comes back and realizes what her nipples are doing and she thinks about the sexual nature of it and she kind of has this thought about well she's like well he's an eight-year-old boy I don't think he's interested in breasts so she's figuring it's more Tack than Seth, which no fucking shit, Audrey. Right. And she thinks shortly before Herb died and then cuts herself off. Like Yeah. So, so Tack must have made them do some freaky shit.
2: Oh, God. Yeah. Did I you guys even, you know, think about that? No.
0: Ooh. Ugh. Thinking about all the sexual statues from Desperation and getting scared.
1: Oh, yeah. When she... Expands on the when she's standing there topless in her blue shorts, reflecting the same kind of blue shorts Cassie Styles wears. E- that was the moment I was like, uh oh, uh oh, yeah. uh oh. Yeah.
0: Well, and the fact that she thinks the movie Unlocked Tack, the movie The Regulators mm-hmm. that they rented, we don't get more about that. It's fascinating. <laughs>
2: yeah. It's
0: you probably can't say and It's okay. I have a feeling that that's some more foreshadowing. This book is really good at foreshadowing. I love it.
2: And as she's standing there kind of just ruminating on her hellish existence she finally decides to run when she looks out the window and <laughs> sees uh Mary then David then the redhead completely Susie's had friend. forgotten about yes. the redhead It is me too what makes the narrowing of focus at the start of the chapter yeah. so yeah. cool is anything that happens outside of our narration. I missed that entirely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's so cool. <laughs> rules. For having such a large cast of characters and such a small amount of space that they are all occupying, it's really cool how Bachman handles
1: where everyone is at
2: mm-hmm. any given time.
1: Oh yeah, because the redhead's running into the Carver's house. That's where we find her. Yeah, because, Kyle- mm-hmm. oh, that's so cool. <laughs> it just all clicked for me. That's great. It's But when she sees all this, oh, also not to mention the Hobart's house is still on fire because yeah. it was struck oh, yeah, by and it started to <laughs> spread. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that moment of uh, like, okay, this is the moment I have to make a break for. It. And then she hears What It's referred to as the voice that comes from Seth, not Mm -hmm. Seth's voice. Very little do we get Seth's voice. Mm -hmm. It is all mimicry Mm -hmm. from Tack, which is a lot. But Tack takes control of her like a doll and spins her around. And the way it's described that she, in order to stop her scream, it was like a hand put over her mouth but put at the back of her mouth.
3: Yes. Ugh. And like,
1: it's such a horrifying, claustrophobic mm-hmm. feeling to think about. I feel like I'm choking on air thinking, thinking about, about it. it. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we cut back over to our group at the Carvers. Can we, can we get a head count? Anybody have that written down? Yeah.
1: Brad and Belinda Josephson, uh, Cammie, Jim and Dave Reed, Kim and Susie Geller, and John Marinville. That are in the and in the, the Carver house. Oh, kids. and and the surviving Carvers.
2: Uh, I like the moment when he looks around and he sees every surface in the Carver house is covered in Hummel figurines, <laughs> and he's like, "They seem so normal."
0: And then he <laughs> starts to giggle, and he has to stop himself. I love. Johnny. I love that bit. It's. I. I just love Johnny's. He, he's obviously a different Johnny. He's like what we wanted him to be in Desperation. Mm-hmm.
1: This version of Johnny that can't stand the idea of leaving the redhead girl outside, even though he's like, I don't know for a fact she's dead, but I know for certain she's dead. But I still can't leave her out
0: there. Okay, I... Is it a good idea to risk your life for a corpse? Am I just cruelly practical or would you guys also do that? Because I was like, why? No, she's dead.
2: If we were in this situation and my ass was on the front lawn, fucking leave me there. Are you
0: kidding (laughs) me? Same. Same, you guys. You have my permission. If I'm dead, I don't care. Like, even if a buzzard starts to munch on me, I'm dead. I don't give a shit. Right? It's fine. Let it happen.
1: Even if it costs you everything. I know, I know, I <laughs> know.
0: <laughs> this is so not good. a surprise. <laughs> I, do you guys feel like Johnny in Regulators is Steve in Desperation?
1: Oh, uh, okay, sort of. He uh, gives me
0: the vibes that Steve gave me in Desperation because Steve in Regulators gives me, dude, you're a huge fuck up, you little sweetheart vibes. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: Steve in Desperation was... Reliable. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: He wasn't a hero. This Johnny is a hero. That's true. And I think that's the. Mm -hmm. But I see where you're getting at. Like there's that attitude. if Steve been
0: given more page time, he would have been.
1: Steve. Steve is the kind of person that if Steve were by in that book's God's plan to be the hero, Mm -hmm. he would have found the way to rise to that. Mm
2: -hmm. I think. As they're in the hall, uh, kind of discussing the plan to drag uh, this redhead whose name we should probably know. Uh, I should probably know.
0: She doesn't care. She's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. <laughs> well.
2: uh, as as they're discussing their plan to drag her inside, Belinda Josephson kind of shows up. She. They're all crawling around this house because mm-hmm. bullets. I only bring this up because Belinda Josephson is the first time I have ever heard Richard Bachman write a fat person well. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like, there's no negative... We have met uh, Belinda Josephson several times. Yeah. And here, at random, they're just like, oh, yeah, she's a a bigger lady. And it is not important to her characterization. Mm -hmm. It is not important to, like, her anything. It's just... Oh, Brad and cruel. Belinda yeah. are big folks, yeah.
0: and I love it. And yeah. Brad and Belinda rock;
1: they're so they're my favorites.
0: I would have run to their house and yeah. hoped that they were there. I'll trust
1: <laughs> anybody diagnosed with terminal thickness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they they kind of talk it over, and then
2: is this the part where they they go to check on her, mm-hmm. and we get the maybe she's alive? Oh, poor fuck. Johnny.
1: That's it's the. She's laying face down, has not moved, but they still have to check. And he grabs her by the hair. Her name's Debbie. Uh, grabs Debbie by the hair and pulls her head up. And there's like a sound that happens when her face, what's left of her face, some of it stays on the ground and the rest of her head comes up.
0: That's why it's important not to be fascinated when a little boy is gunned down in front of you.
1: Good tip, oh. actually.
0: Speaking of tips... We've got a seven inch long, two inch wide wine coming out.
2: I
1: did not know where that was going.
2: That
0: was But
1: a, I appreciate it. it was a
0: real stretch. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, that was good. Because we pick up with Steve Ames <laughs> and that's what she's pointing. <laughs> <laughs> no, the crawling back, Johnny finds the the bullet. With quotes. Jesus, yeah.
0: It's described as a black cone and it's sharp. And Belinda points out, like, this can't possibly have been fired from any gun that exists. And Johnny had seen the guns. He's like, well, I know it came out of a gun. And she says it's like the drawing a kid might make of what they think a bullet is, which kind of goes back to the stuff we've been talking about with Seth.
1: It's how I drew bullets. Like, as I read that, I was like, oh, oh, oh my God, oh, my God. I
0: had all of these, like, weird, long, triangular things in my notebooks that I don't know if they were bullets. <laughs> I look like a fucking psychopath because it would be lines and lines of long triangles just uh, over when, the page. No when, one else, just me. When
2: I was a kid, everything I drew shot lasers. <laughs> oh, they're uh, lasers just are so good. Yeah, lasers are good. Uh, we get a, a little bit where Susie Geller is asking where Debbie is and they're just like, don't worry about it. <laughs> and then we get a little sidebar with Steve's backstory. He's my favorite. I know I just said Brad and Belinda were my favorite, <laughs> but Steve's my favorite.
0: Oh, Steve frustrates me.
2: Oh, I love this guy. I don't this like is, this
0: Steve. This is he's exhausting to me. <laughs> I can't deal with it. I can't deal with with his flakiness. This is
2: the kind of person I wish to grow up to be. Oh. He is just a he. He went to college and then flunked out
1: because of bridge competitive bridge he was gambling he
2: was and he he's just kind of this uh, drifter yeah
0: he's very much a drifter
2: and he seems zen as shit and i love him
0: i do love the zenness but i would kill him
1: <laughs> i love hey, that no problem man <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i love that he is once again driving someone else's property Yes, that is funny. <laughs> when this happens
0: i am not shipping him and cynthia
2: No, I would hope not. No, No, he seems much older in this version.
1: Even if he, like we talked about this last episode, I imagined him the same age, but he does read as like older. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not going to dwell on this. I have two things to say about the narration that I'll just get out of the way while we're talking about Steve. Can't stand the way Frank Muller does Steve's voice. Mm -hmm. Drives me insane.
2: Some of his line readings are real choices (laughs) and I, I liked it.
1: I liked
0: it. I generally like the way he narrates a book, but there were a few yes. I was like, oh, and, why didn't you retake that?
1: And I can't stand talk. Yeah. I hate it every single time mm. he says talk. I'm like, no. Nope, and so I've stopped listening to the audio book cuz I cannot do it. Huh. He has some of his line readings for Seth Tech are
2: mm. are very good. <laughs> they are <laughs> very silly. All right. I like check does some of those. Like, uh, A very snotty, fancy lad voice. It's great. (laughs) But as he's going through his backstory leading up to this morning, he has this mantra of no problem, man. And as it comes to where we are right now with him standing in the doc's living room, there's this amazing sentence that goes, quote, If all this wasn't a problem, well, then Steve guessed that problem was a concept without meaning. (laughs) That's so good. It really is. This is almost like a flashback he's having because he's standing in the living room kind of frozen Mm -hmm. and Cynthia pulls him out of it and he does the cookie cake line. It was nice
1: to get that back. That felt good.
0: This scene that's unfolding when he comes back to reality with (laughs) Mariel because her arm is almost falling off and Tom brings his black bag and Collie's got a belt and he, Steve and Collie are going (sighs) to.
1: Wrestle this woman?
0: Uh, Well, you wouldn't think you'd have to, but she was like, listen, you whiny little woman. Like, her her burns are awesome. Give me some fucking drugs or I will kill you.
1: I get why
2: Gary drinks. This well, yeah, is what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah. This whole scene is peak. I, I feel like sometimes I will find things in these books funny that, mm, that y'all don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This entire scene is like, he's like, no, this is this is a bit. Yeah. This is mm-hmm. this scene is going to be the funniest scene I love that it. I've ever written.
0: She shoves Kali away as he's coming at her with a belt, and she shoves him so hard that he falls back.
2: The part yeah. when he, where the part when Marielle picks up her arm, she grabs <laughs> yeah. her yes. almost severed arm by the wrist and, like, starts pointing at people accusingly with this.
0: It's <laughs> fucking rules. I, I think this is why I'm irritated with Steve, though, because he's helping out and they kind of have her in a hold because she've like, flipped out because she wants drugs before... They tie off her arm and sew it up, which I think I get. And I'm not a medical person, so
1: maybe I'm a moron. I'm but tourniquet me first. You at least do that part. Give yeah, me the drugs I, before I was, you sew me up. But I, I yeah. think if your shoulder has been blown off, like, I just actually just do it before the shock sets it wears off. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: but they all have her, and then sweat drips into Steve's eyes, so he <laughs> loosens his grip and her arm falls off. <laughs> it just like- Pulls her arm
1: straight off. I love wow, it. And Gary so yells, it. "Put
2: it on ice."
1: Uh, <laughs> he yeah. wants to no. put so everything put it in the on fridge. ice. He
2: puts it on. He yells, "Put it on ice!" and then immediately vomits on a framed <laughs> yes, picture awesome. of a parrot. I was like, "What's <laughs> happening?"
0: Uh, the pictures in their house. We didn't even talk oh about my God. it. It's,
2: Tom's house. I think Tom's a crazy oh, yeah, Tom's person. House.
0: He is a vet, but that. Like do vets just have strange animal funny photos in their it's, homes?
2: It was my favorite part of the reading of the book. Yeah, the delivery because Steve is just wandering and there are framed pictures and ones of like a uh, a uh, you know a border collie or whatever and it's okay, like I love this border collie uh, blank the border collie. Could count to eight and (laughs) developed a sense for taste for wine or whatever. (laughs) The line reading is he they do the comedy threes Mm -hmm. is they he goes through three of these pictures and then the line reading of Steve going none of this is
1: happening (laughs) is so funny made me laugh out loud. The Mm -hmm. whole end of this chapter is so fucking great. I do love that it it sounds when we break it down sounds. Really silly, obviously. But the fact that all of this happens at such a breakneck pace doesn't give you the time (laughs) to laugh as much (laughs) until you reflect on it. Yeah, it's
0: funny to talk about it, but reading it was freaky.
2: The chapter ends with them, Kali holding Mariel's arm, severed arm as she falls to the ground, is kind of sputtering out her dying words. And it ends with, her looking into Steve's face and clear as day going, who the fuck are you? <laughs> and then dying. She doesn't die. Well, she passes out. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's oh, right. Oh, God, that they're like <laughs> At some point, Kali is like, Doc, is she gonna live? And he's like, fucking look at her. <laughs> he's like, i probably she should not. should already be yeah. dead. Uh, and at the end of the chapter, we go into one of these little uh, asides, these world building bits. I
1: love these.
2: And- I think this one in particular gave me a few red herrings cuz I thought there were I was reading too much into this yeah. I think. Okay. Because uh this little side bit is a script from an episode of Moto Cops. First Did, of all, real episode or not?
0: Is Moto Cops a real thing? No. No. Then I mean,
1: no. yes. Yeah, wait. No.
0: Don't fuck with me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I forgot What's our fiction? What uh, fiction have we
3: settled on? Uh, uh, uh.
0: Did did you guys get the Alan Smithy reference? Screen? Yeah. Uh, yeah, It's it was written by Alan Smithy, which Josh, I'll explain because you're giving me yeah. a look. That is a name that directors use when generally it's because the studio has fucked with their movie so much that they are ashamed to have their name attached to it. So anytime you're watching something and you see Alan Smithy, that it's person, person. does not exist. It's a way to <gasps> get out of being attached to that project.
1: That's... Wild, I've never heard that. Yeah,
0: this episode is by Alan Smithy.
1: That's amazing. Produced by.
0: Mm -hmm. So we're sitting around the crisis desk, looking at the situ screen, which I think is hilarious because like, you watch situations on the screen, so it's a (laughs) situ screen, anyway, whatever. (laughs) And we have Colonel Henry, Snake Hunter, Bounty, Major Pike, Rudy, and Cassie. And they're monitoring something called the Force Corridor which is exactly what it sounds like. It is old alien technology that is headed towards Earth. It's basically two long metal plates with big square protrusions sticking out at different intervals. And it hums and crackles with blue fire. It's a hallway of death, I guess. Mm-hmm. And the, the part that stuck out to me that I was like, Ugh, Cassie's freaked out about it. And Colonel Henry's like, hey, bitch, calm down. It's <laughs> 150 light years away. And Major Pike is like, well, how fast is it moving? And Colonel Henry is like, "Well, we basically have seventy-two hours before, like, we're all done mm-hmm. for." So yeah, be freaked out. Seventy-two <laughs> hours is not a lot of time.
2: It's very Saturday morning cartoons. It the is writing a very, is a, I, a bit
0: it is such a fun episode, like to you can picture mm. it so well. And what's interesting, this like gets me I'm such a sucker for this kind of plot line. Yep, me too. Suddenly the meat wagon shows up and there's its crew and, and they're there to call a temporary truce because of the whole earth being in danger thing. And oh, it's just <laughs> it's just like I wanted, I as soon as this part happened, and then we were done with this mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, no, let's let's what happens yeah. next?
1: And, yeah, I love a good uneasy alliance. Yeah, so fucking
2: classic. Yes. I it's such
1: a trope. I, I love would it.
2: also do absolutely anything for Bachman to make a Saturday morning I wanna, oh, show. Oh, mm-hmm. I want to watch the show. It would so be bad. so insane that I I would watch every episode. But uh, here's the thing that this in my head when I was reading this. I was expecting this to be oh this is our final act. Mm. This is Seth is bringing this force corridor to earth and now the countdown in the chapter at the start of each chapter makes sense. Now we know that seven the yeah. you know tax yeah. possession is going to be come to some ultimate conclusion in seventy two hours
0: well, seventy one hours and, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. and twenty minutes. Uh, but then I think it might just be the row of cars
0: <laughs> it's yeah the force
1: corridor is poplar street,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, later it's, when Johnny and Brad are upstairs, he sees the fire corridor. Is that what it's called?
1: Yeah, that's the six like, vans, oh, like is three by
0: three. Uh, I guess we'll find out.
1: I guess so. Well, I just, I it was reading about the description of the force corridor with and the then looking at the map and being like, yeah, it's, too, it's a hallway with square protrusions on yeah. either side. And it's, things it's are on fire. The there's
0: blue, fl- there's like lightning, which yeah. is the blue crackling. Shit. <laughs> Good job,
1: Josh. And it explains why Meatwagon is part of this assault because yeah. he wouldn't be with the other mm. characters.
2: We, we leave that and it turns out to be not that much yeah. uh, unless it does later. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, but chapter six picks up immediately where we left off. With no Audrey time and Sack. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm ashamed. That's good. <laughs> so Sack is floating around. <laughs> And doing impressions. Oh, like literally
0: floating. He glides towards Audrey on, like, his toes are scraping the ground.
2: Which is such an eerie visual. It gets very poltergeisty with them. And she's she's trying. She can't move. She is Mm. paralyzed. I like that she tries to summon a phone. She Mm -hmm. tries to connect to Seth Mm. inside of, or, yeah, to Seth inside of Seth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Saying, don't let him hurt me.
0: Yeah, she's begging Seth. And she's still a little bit not really understanding in this moment because she's – part of her dialogue at him in her head is as if he and Tack are, like, partners in this, which is mm. not the case. And she changes her mind on that pretty shortly here, but it that kept bothering me mm. a little bit.
2: Yeah, because she keeps thinking that, like, why would Seth help her because – he needs her to, you know,
1: feed him and mm-hmm.
2: stuff. Uh, yeah,
1: it's it's something. Well, considering she's been living for months in daily torture, mm-hmm. I don't fault her for going no, down no, dark path. there.
0: It just, it made me feel sad for yeah. Seth, who's also being tortured, which she realizes later. Mm-hmm.
2: But as things are looking bad, suddenly Seth is back and tells her that uh, Tack is gone, building.
1: Ooh. The fact... It touches on this in the earlier section there that it, it reflects that Tack has grown stronger instead of weaker as we experienced in desperation, knowing that he would his powers got weaker, and now the fact that they're getting stronger and he can go off and build. Yes, is horrifying.
0: It's we're gonna have to talk about this, but I just want to mention it because it's real good horror fuel. Before they have that conversation sack punishes her by making her go into the kitchen and guzzle honey and she's like before that he makes her hit herself and her nose is bleeding so she's choking on honey and blood and then she falls to the ground in the kitchen and he makes her bang her head against the floor while screaming never leave me never leave me and then it's just like boom, he's gone and, and Seth is trying to communicate to her. And this is where she softens towards him because he's trying to communicate and he is not very verbal, so he's having a hard time making her understand and he like hits his own leg out of frustration. She's like, don't do that, it's okay. Tell me if you can and if you can't, it's okay. It's just so sad.
2: She then briefly connects with him telepathically. This is a trope that bothers me, the trope of the...
0: Oh, he's totally uh, the, normal inside God's, his, head. Inside his own
2: head. It, yeah, it's the God's Tom thing. Yeah. But they talk and reassure each other. And
0: yeah, he tells her, "I don't blame you for running, and you need to yeah. run. Go across the street, get help. It's important because." And then he's gone. <laughs> the,
1: the image that he puts in her head because he can't get the words of the jester juggling hummels, and the hummels mm-hmm. are all the neighbors. Oh my I god, I fucking love it.
2: Meanwhile, we meet back up with the crew inside of the Carvers. The Carvers. Yeah, the Carvers.
0: Yep. I, I like because this is where Johnny, Brad and Belinda are kind of like really taking charge, the three of them. And Mm. Brad, this is where Brad and Johnny go up to get the gun because David Mm. has a gun upstairs. And Belinda is like yelling out the window to Tom's house, like they're trying to connect and like figure out what's going on and you know where is everybody, what's happening. It's just a cool because you know we we've had groups split up before in other stories. Mm. They're not also close enough that they can like connect with each other, even though they can't be together. And I just like it.
2: It's very cool. Uh, We also were briefly. Reminded that Cammie Reed exists. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, Yeah. the Reed's
1: mom. The Reed's mom, she's around. Mm -hmm. It's at this point where they're talking about uh, getting the status of each house Mm because Steve is shouting back over to Belinda and people keep joining the conversation. Uh, Like Collie joins it at one point as they're shouting back and forth. And when Peter joins the conversation, he points out that the street out front is completely deserted again. And they're like, great. And he's like, No, I mean, there's not even fire trucks or police or Mm looky-loos from down the block. And there's nothing out there. That's
2: a very bad sign because there should be. I wanted to point out one thing that as they begin communicating between the houses that Belinda purposefully does not mention that they are going to get a gun. Oh, yeah. And it is, it is uh, she immediately is like, oh, why would I do that? And She calls it rat hole thinking, which I love that <laughs> turn of phrase. <laughs> that like, oh, just the human selfishness mm. of like, oh, we need the advantage here why, why we're all a group uh i i think that is probably gonna set something up later i'm not sure what oh, that's
1: i i don't want it to um this is the moment i made a note i want to give you guys a theory that okay. i i've been working on and it's it's completely nonsense but i'm gonna sell it what if this book this this story we're experiencing is the reason that quote unquote god called the people he did in desperation. he like we talked about the a vast amount of people this deity had to hurt to get all the people in this place to make it happen to make it so Tack couldn't get free. We are seeing now what happens if Tack could have gotten free. and I wonder if that I want to wait and see how this book ends to see if those pieces line up. But I—that's the thought that's going through my head.
0: Hmm, that's interesting. And I it even just think so, about that.
1: its one of those things that's like, yeah, we need Johnny. This universe's is Johnny isn't that universe's is Johnny, so we need to make him. We need to give him the things so he'll be that Johnny when the time comes. Like that's the sort of mm-hmm. thing I'm working with. That it just—it feels fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right.
2: As they're talking and discussing that there are no sirens and that there's a tumbleweed outside. Yeah. yeah not native
0: to Ohio. It's a Russian <laughs> thistle.
2: Peter decides, you know what? Fuck all this. I'm going to get my wife. And then vans oh. just immediately.
1: It's.
0: <laughs> He's kind of the Barbara of the group, Night of Living Dead.
1: Yeah, Johnny and Brad are upstairs at the. They've gotten upstairs and are, are getting the gun. When they look at the window and they see the vans and see Peter outside, and I love that Johnny. Only thing he can do is to break the window. <laughs> yeah, he
0: like he doesn't have time to open it. Yeah. He just smashes it with a gun to yell at him to that there are vans coming. This is crazy because like in the. So I listened to it and then I read it and I didn't realize. Just in the middle of this happening, we cut to a page in the book of a drawing that was placed in Audrey's journal shortly after Herb died. And it's of it's a kid's drawing of a van shooting at a house, which is about to happen like crazy.
2: Mm, I did
1: not it see it. It interrupts
0: and, the story and like, it was such a weird place. Huh. And it cool. like it was done by Seth.
1: I see I couldn't tell it with the drawing, because there it's you see like the cowboy hat mm-hmm. and the shotgun, but there's no drawings of bullets. And for a second, it looked like the power wagon was just going to drive straight through the house. So I thought that's what Uh, it might be foreshadowing. mm
2: -hmm. As the vans pull up and line up into a firing corridor, it has been 59 minutes. That's so fucking stupid. That's
1: crazy that that little time has passed.
2: Which means as the the shots start fire, we are just hitting one hour. Mm. Is that that's
1: wild? It
2: makes me so mad that the regulators isn't a real movie right <laughs> Because yeah. I want to be like, oh, how much is this lining up? Yeah because Seth, we know Seth and Tack are, in Audrey's house, mm-hmm. watching the regulators, mm-hmm. and it keeps mm-hmm. saying the final showdown is about to start.
1: At one point, Audrey remarks at the start of this conversation that there is twenty minutes left in the movie. Huh. So yeah. we, we'll we should we should see what yeah. There's a long description.
2: Of these vans just lighting up <laughs> one side of the street. And it goes on long enough that when it's like, oh, yeah, and Peter's right there, I was like, mm. oh, I forgot he's outside. Same.
0: Yeah, he's holding Mary's corpse and no bullets are hitting him thankfully or well not thankfully I guess for him later
3: sure
1: thought thankfully
0: yeah but they're just destroying everything and while this is happening Seth starts to scream in Audrey's head to go to her safe place and he's trying to explain why that's important but then he's cut off and before she escapes to her safe place she looks out again and she notices that the neighborhood is distorting this Which I didn't is, expect. What the hell is happening in this? What book is this?
1: Reality is warping outside. Yeah, the mm-hmm. cur- the curveball that line of dialogue mm-hmm. threw into my brain is insane. And then from here, it just gets more confusing. Tack is crazy. building. Yeah. It's such a surreal book. Yes, it, it
2: is. is. This is the reason that I was so excited to get to <laughs> this book because so many of the things that happen are just like out of left field, insane. When we get to the description of the buzzard, Oh, my God.
0: Oh, but first, sorry, can I make a segue?
2: Yes, absolutely. Fuck pie. Pie is awful. What a
0: cunt. (laughs) I I stick by that.
1: It's (laughs) fuck pie was from thinner.
0: (laughs) Yes.
1: Thank you, Ben. Thank you.
0: Oh, I I just hate her so much. I also hate that. They're all <laughs> hunkered down in the kitchen when she viciously throws her daughter, Ellie, off of her, who is startled by the suddenness of this. And, like, runs to Ralphie, who I think Jim, one of the Reed boys, has been hanging on to, like, screaming, give me my son, because mm-hmm. that's all she cares about and can think about. And it does say, like, she loves Ellie, but blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, you... I hate you.
2: Yeah, she has, like, a complete dissociative episode, basically.
0: Uh, And... You know what? That's fine because there are bullets flying through the house and she gets one in the face. What a
1: horrifying. She doesn't even get a bullet to the face. The bullet strikes a copper pot and the shards
0: tear into
1: her face. So at one point she screams because now she's blind. She's
0: like, I can't see. And yeah, she can't.
1: And and everybody in this room just saw this woman get her face. Including her kids, which sucks for them. But yeah. Uh, meanwhile,
2: Johnny and Brad are upstairs when all of this ha- starts mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. And just a split second before it happens, Johnny has the sense something is wrong. And then notes that Brad is panting and that uh, it's been a, what does he say? It's been a very uh, cardio heavy day <laughs> I don't for want, yeah. a guy. I don't
0: want Brad to have a heart attack, Me guys. Either. I like mm. him. I did wish that Johnny had been downstairs when Pi did that to Ellie because his thoughtfulness towards her and like mm-hmm. the, most of the adults like recognizing what she's going through did kind of make up for some of it and warm my heart but I wanted him to share in my outrage.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah but he uh if he was downstairs he wouldn't be able to find
0: the action the figure. The action figure. That's right.
1: Not what not the action figure I was expecting him to find. No? I thought he was gonna find no face because he made such a, mm-hmm. a point of that but I think this is actually better. Well, this thing was the one that in the
2: first section, he makes direct eye contact with Mm -hmm. this thing. Thing. He is the yeah. And I love that he tries to a, explain
0: it to Brad. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's yeah. He's like, oh, there's this cartoon. It, it's crazy. Yeah, and Brad's
0: not gonna buy into this right now. But once everybody starts seeing the neighborhood change, I feel like we're good.
2: I I loved. I forgot. I guess from here on, I don't remember anything. Nice. Is it because it's
1: a fever dream at this yeah. point? It
2: really is because I was not expecting. Peter to become a herald of no face, yes. Right? Peter is standing out, and I was just, you know, waiting. He's
0: probably w- a shot. Waiting
2: for it, and they continue to fire, and he continues to stand, quote-unquote, woundless, which mm. I disagree. Uh, <laughs> right. Maybe physically. And he's standing on the front lawn in front of Mary's body, and he keeps thinking I just got home from work. Over and over, like a mantra.
0: It's. I love that it's described as that phrase being a bridge back to the sane, ordinary world. Because it. I. I've never been in a crisis situation like this, but I imagine like that's how you would feel. You'd find something like that and be like, "This reality does not match up with what's happening to me right now."
2: Mm-hmm. I, I love how this section very quickly puts a lot of characterization into Peter because we don't have a lot of it. And just in this little section, we find out that he's, because it mentions how he's always been terrified of Mary's father. Mm -hmm. And it kind of characterizes Peter as this kind of snivelly little weakling. Mm -hmm. And that plays into... When Tack comes to him first speaking in the fa- voice of no face, a voice that tears into his mind like fish hooks, causing blood to erupt from all the holes in his face. Yes. That's a lot.
0: He's blood face.
3: That was Just stupid. Like that.
2: So when Tack like gives him this order in a little bit, it's in the voice of his his father-in-law. I don't know. I think it's a a neat little way yeah. to not just make Peter just kind of a mm-hmm. unimportant. It gets, it's more
0: kid. personal, yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is sick, but also yeah.
1: Well, that's I mean that's kind of yeah. tax this this version of Tack, this powerful thing that can read everybody's mind so well, getting so personal. And if I can tell you, my favorite part
2: mm-hmm. is that he can see through the vans and the characters he kind of realizes that they are a quote-unquote cartoon Mm -hmm. but he also knows the voice is real the voice is actually there (laughs) and as he's talking to these he notes that he can hear the theme song He can hear the soundtrack of the cartoon that he's that they're from. It's not the cartoon. It's the oh yeah, that's right. It's the Bonanza theme. Yeah.
0: Can I tell you my favorite part of this? Tack makes him crave spaghetti.
2: Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> it is so weird. He's not hungry. Oh, I think he is. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. He he slowly, in a daze, walks into the Weiler house. He
0: drops Mary's body on the ground first, which is uh, so upsetting because we know how hard he
1: mm-hmm.
0: wanted to go out there and get her.
2: Ugh.
1: Uh, I wish that was the last we got of Peter. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, First, we return to the doc's house uh, where Pi is dying and Gary is looking for booze, but finds his wife's arm.
1: (laughs) Uh, Again, a wild tone shift. (laughs) It's so ridiculous. And like, but Tom has sutured this arm up and he's given her the best shot she's ever going to have. But I immediately, yeah, he gives Kali a look when Kali asks. That's like. Probably
0: not, man. Yeah, and this is where they just—I think—they're deciding they're gonna have to do something because she lost a lot of blood, and if she doesn't get immediate medical attention, she's gonna die.
2: We get a little bit more of. Steve being psychic yeah. it's, it's weird with how little fanfare this is brought up it's just mm-hmm. taken for granted oh yeah Steve's always had psychic powers and you're like sure <laughs> but it's also because Steve doesn't give a shit about it either clearly <laughs> yeah <that's laughs> true and he has this hunch and looks outside and this this cracks me up Because he looks out and he's like, something has changed. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he's not from this neighborhood. (laughs) But I'm not from this neighborhood. So maybe if I was from here, I could figure out what it was. And then everyone else looks outside and is like, the house across the road is a log cabin.
0: (laughs) It's such a big thing. Is Steve stoned?
2: maybe it's that or he's an idiot I it's I love him
0: yeah he's kind of an idiot but it's
2: so funny and they're like yeah down there that house is a a adobe hacienda Mm. and there's a a horse rail out front and Steve's like any of those things could have been
1: true (laughs) But that's when Steve also volunteers to be the one who ventures out and goes looking. Oh, yeah, looking with because, Kali. Because yeah. Kali's
0: like, there's a secret wooden path that only I and the kids know about. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Weird.
1: <laughs> yeah, the green belt seems like it's going to be real important coming um, up. And
0: there's a pipe there. Yeah, that gives me a, weird, eye, like, what's an, gonna An
1: aqueduct that yeah. they can, like, crawl under the streets to get from, they can get on that path to the next block over, but then through that viaduct they can get another block over, and that's why they're saying that's so important. They can get yeah. at least two streets away. We,
0: we learn more about that with the, the reeds
2: yeah. in a minute. But. but before we get to the reeds, we see a vulture fly out of the burning Hobart house, but
1: it's not right. It's it's a it's a buzzard from the Buick Eight, right? Yeah, like that's <laughs> it's, it's how a, it feels.
0: It's what a kid would draw if they had never seen one but heard about one.
2: Yeah, it's it, we get this later, yeah. but one wing is. Like much shorter, yeah, yeah much shorter. D- the doc looks at, it, they're like, "Is that a buzzard?" And the doc's like, "I don't know what the fuck that is. That's not a bird. <laughs> his it should be able to fly." <laughs>
1: his instinct is to run and get his camera because like, that. "Oh yeah. shit for the wall!" Yeah. When, oh,
0: <laughs> when he said that, though, I was like, "They should be." documenting this because no one's going to believe that <laughs> right? if they survive
2: that's the end of the chapter and we have a uh section from june 10th 1995 of audrey's journal
1: it started over a month
2: ago over mm. a year ago this, oh shit
1: yeah this journal entry is from 1995 i did not even i went that. back and checked the dates mm-hmm. oh yeah, i was like Herb oh was my still alive. that's right yeah yeah Fuck,
0: man! This is this gives us a lot more insight too into their relationship. They're making the space in their hearts and their lives Mm -hmm. for Seth, and like understanding the things he really likes, and sort of modifying their lives to meet his needs with with his his rituals and things that keep him happy and comfortable.
2: Yeah. I, I like that. Uh, it's just the stuff like right. one of the signs that something is going wrong is he starts walking around the house. She calls it pacing or- Like no, sniffing. It, sniffing. the sniffing, air. Sniffing the yeah. air. Well, it's the leg thing. He starts oh. walking around the house on tiptoes without bending his mm-hmm. knees. Yeah, That's just a thing autistic people do. Mm. Some Some Whoa. of them.
1: Do sometimes. Yeah.
0: I could see them like noticing signs that he was going to have an episode of some sort. Yeah.
1: This is uh, one of the things that she mentions is the on the night that tack made both Audrey and herb hurt themselves for the first time Ugh. they could hear Seth crying in the other room which I feel like that right immediately should have said which side everybody's playing on right
0: it also gives us a lot more of what herb was going through like she notes that he he always tried to cheer up by like making dumb jokes and stuff which I love but he the last few months he well I guess the last year he had gotten really thin he was losing weight he was really pale like it go going back to tack using him to like feed himself
1: you get all the sense that Herb had a really good heart yeah that's like the big the takeaway it feels like from all this but her things change when Herb wakes up one night because of the dream floaters in their backyard.
0: (laughs) Like life-size one. Yeah. The dream floater, and that's why Seth is upset. He lost his dream floater toy, and now there's a real one, and it's just, it's heartbreaking because they watch it fade, and they're, like, both really freaked out about it, and then when they're having breakfast... Herb is like, hey, Seth, guess what? I know why you were upset last night because he he was doing the thing and uh, they were telling him, oh no, I think this happens now. He's like, I know why you're upset. We're gonna find it. And you know what? Worst case, we can't find it. We'll buy you a new one. And at the mention of buying a new one, he freaks out and he, with his mind powers, I guess, mm. shatters some china that Audrey's mom had given her, and just, you know, completely loses it. And Herb spends like the rest of the day, like, search digging up the yard, just doing anything he can to try to find the dream floater. It's, it's just real. Like it made me think of poltergeist stuff. It's mm. things are flying. It's like, yeah,
2: yeah. Charles T. Nelson was there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, is that a Craig. Same? Uh, Craig right? Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> we knew what you meant. Anyway, we get to chapter eight, and I didn't take I took barely any notes <laughs> on chapter eight because it's really setting up our third act.
0: Yeah, yeah. Same.
2: Johnny thinks about how his manager thought he was crazy when he moved out to Ohio. He kind of reminisces about uh When this was a nice neighborhood, (laughs) uh, an hour or so ago. And then Johnny has a discussion with Cammie Reed about the trail and the plans going forward.
1: I do like that. And so the conversation essentially goes, Cammie says that her boys know the secret path in the green belt. They can get a few streets over and they want Johnny to give them the gun. So if something happens, they can take care of it. And I love that Johnny notes the words she's saying, but can also tell that, Really, all she wants is to get her kids out of this house. That is her entire goal. And because it seems like uh, no mother would be on the side of this. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm glad it's
0: described that because I was like, this is weird.
1: And then he's just like, you know what? I have no problem giving up the gun, but I'm going to.
0: I like I love how she she looks down at his belly cuz it's Johnny's described <laughs> yeah. before as mm. having a gut and she's like, "Can you keep up?" and he's like, "Well, not in a marathon, but mm. through the woods, probably." He's like, "That's
3: a very <laughs> <Yeah>. cool response." <laughs> okay. Yeah, duh.
2: Uh, I like that during his like little pep talk, he's going over with the twins, the plan, and he's like, "Keep the gun out of sight. Don't like rush" up on people if we see any people because a we don't know if they're people like if these people in vans they could very easily sneak through the woods but also even if you see a cop like don't go rushing towards him because quote (laughs) nervous cops have been known to hurt innocent people and i went based and then he, (laughs) he followed it up with they never mean to, and I'm like so close.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I thought about you.
2: <laughs> Cammy and the twins have a moment. It's a it's a sweet mother son moment. Yeah, and where you, she
0: like grabs his lips and she's like, "You listen to me. You know for a <laughs> I, fact one yeah. of these
2: twins is dead. Oh I, yeah, yeah. One's, one's not coming back." At I least.
0: do love too. Belinda interjects because she's like, "This is stupid, you guys." <laughs> I would I would stay with Belinda. I would
1: do whatever mm-hmm. Belinda said. <laughs> yeah, I would too. <laughs> and then Ellie oh. hugging Johnny. It's nice for her to get some comfort before yeah. he heads out. I oh before ugh. he before
2: he really heads out, he does need some of that moto cop lore. <laughs>
0: that's true. Can we not to drag it down? But he hugs Ellie, and then he's asking Susie's mom, cammy Is that it? Mm-hmm. No, that's the Reed's mom. Oh
3: yeah. Oh Kim. yeah. him.
0: Um, he he starts to ask like, Hey, can you help with this orphaned? girl now who like just needs comfort as you're comforting your daughter so you get it right Uh before he can even finish he's like nope that's so cold too Mm
1: -hmm. I
0: wanted to punch her I want
1: her to die I
0: do too (laughs) and then Belinda's like come here yeah and and holds her
2: it's like I said this is all setting up our third act and the villains plan I don't remember what it is but this entire thing freaks me out (laughs) Because we come back to Peter with Tack and Peter's already empty. Yeah. Peter's done so.
0: He's shoving Doritos into his cheek, which I love Doritos, and that <laughs> for me like really brought it home. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's the thing that upset you. And not his, his eyes being described as bulging out so much they seem to rest on his cheeks.
0: Well, now that you put me on the spot, Ben, yes. Well, that, <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> the one, yeah, it was <laughs> gross. We
1: got another eye split like a gray. <clears throat> uh Oh, my God.
0: So much eye trauma.
1: Yes. It's Bachman. Of course, mm, there's eye always trauma. Always eye
0: trauma.
2: Tack kind of plays around with Peter as a puppet, like in Mm -hmm. one of his toys, and then gives him a mission.
0: Thank God. Okay, I'm sorry. I was so worried that the mission was going to be fuck Audrey because Tack wants to so badly. But Seth has stopped him, basically, is kind of what we're Told yeah. without being told. So yeah, I I, I'm like, upset about I what like the plan part. is, but I was like,
2: oh, I'm so oh, relieved. It involves him leaving. But yes. Yeah, yes. Thank God. But he tells Peter to go meet the man in the woods. Go sit with his friend. I don't know what that means. He says it's a man Peter had never
1: met and never would. What? It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. I'm half. <laughs> I'm half expecting it to be a a motocop.
0: <laughs> l- unless he <laughs> drew someone else into the woods and we don't know about it.
1: God, that'd be ridiculous.
2: On the cover of the book, there is a real weird cowboy.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Just like peeking out around a corner.
1: Uh-oh. Oh, this isn't uh, an important catch, but uh, did you recognize when, uh, this is way, way back, speaking of the stuff that's on the cover, uh, when Audrey's talking about the phone she conjures in her head, it's the uh, Melissa Sweetheart phone, which was the doll that Pi had uh, in desperation. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's it's I didn't catch heart, yeah. yeah.
2: Okay. Peter goes out to the woods and Tack thinks about TV, let's say.
0: Tack basically is this a part where it's like Tack came to earth to watch TV. <laughs> what yes. a piece of shit. <laughs>
2: yeah, a, it's because like he, he yeah, he's like it's some th- primordial awful monster like but binge be- watcher. It's yeah. weird
0: too, it's <laughs> it reflects though, which I like in desperation we had that conversation about so much of this is like film themed. Mm-hmm. And and what what's it trying to tell us? And this is the same, but it's TV shows, which I think is cool.
2: Yeah, it's it's definitely it does has make a it view. him less
0: scary, though. It's like he just wants to fucking watch TV and drink chocolate milk and eat spaghetti.
2: It, it definitely has that like boomer vibe of like <laughs> all these kids are on their phone too much. Oh, they watch too many violent <laughs> cartoons. It's turning them into telepathic monsters. <laughs>
0: Speaking of, we end with another episode, right?
2: Yeah, we well, not an episode, it is a segment of the screenplay oh, yes, yes. of the regulators, and
1: it's super racist. <laughs> that I mean, yeah, we had the China pit in desperation, mm-hmm. it's balanced. Uh, here, uh, it's the, the scene just before this final climax that uh, we've heard about, and it's I, I didn't write the details about it. All I remember from it is that the the Ingenue dies in the hero's arms mm-hmm. and the bad guys leave with the plan to return to the town, which is the final shootout we keep hearing about. So the villains have uh, taken the, you know, What is the what's the trope when you kill the hero's love interest? I don't remember what the trope is called, but yeah, Yeah. they do that trope, which sets off his hero's journey. Mm -hmm. So when they come back, Mm -hmm. he'll be able to commit full violence, and no one will judge him.
0: Yeah, this is it. I I love how it seems like these things are setting up what's gonna what our characters are gonna go through.
2: By this point, these little side bits, uh, I'm I'm so into gig, I, I'm so into finding out what's gonna
1: happen in yeah. the woods that yeah. I was like why are you wasting my time <laughs> I, I yeah. can't wait to find out what matters out of these of matter- chapter yeah. accents yes. you know like where, what are, what's the one kernel that we could have pulled from here yeah mm-hmm. that's it for this episode of Castle Rock AM thank you for joining us join us for our next episode where we will be finishing the regulators for Benjamin Graham and CM Alexander I'm Joshua Kahn asking you are we going crazy because it feels like it <laughs>
0: hey everyone cm alexander here thank you for listening to the regulators part two we hope you enjoyed it as always you can find us on facebook and instagram at dairy public radio or twitter at dairy public you can send us an email at dairy at gmail.com and don't forget to visit our etsy store and our patreon for bonus episodes and merchandise just search for dairy public radio on both of those platforms And if you like what we're doing, please give us a five-star review. And if you don't like what we're doing, pretend we're doing something that you like and give us a five-star review. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye.